The Ben Shapiro Show is sponsored by ExpressVPN. Make sure to protect yourself against big tech. Protect your data at expressvpn.com slash men. So it seems that the chances of civil war in America just rose somewhat dramatically. On Tuesday evening, the Supreme Court of Colorado ruled that President Donald J. Trump had to be removed from the state ballot for both the primaries and the general election. They cited Amendment 14, Section 3 of the Constitution of the United States. That section reads, quote, no person shall be a senator or representative in Congress or elector of president and vice president or hold any office civil or military under the United States or under any state who, having previously taken an oath as a member of Congress or as an officer of the United States or as a member of any state legislature or as an executive or judicial officer of any state to support the Constitution of the United States shall have engaged in insurrection or rebellion against the same or given aid or comfort to the enemies thereof. But Congress may, by a vote of two thirds of each house, remove such disability. That's what the section says. The case made by the 4-3 Colorado majority in favor of barring President Trump from the ballot is simple. They say Trump tried to conduct an insurrection in their judgment and thus can be barred from the ballot by their say so. The court says, quote, Congress does not need to pass implementing legislation for Section 3's disqualification provision to attach. They say that Section 3 is, in that sense, self-executing. In other words, so long as Section 3 says insurrectionists are disqualified from office, this means that Congress doesn't actually need to define what it means to be an insurrectionist. Any state court can do that. What's more, the state court says the Constitution authorizes states to determine, quote, the constitutional qualifications of presidential candidates. Because otherwise, states would be unable to exclude a 28-year-old, a non-resident of the United States, or even a foreign national from the presidential primary ballot in Colorado. The court says it is qualified to determine who is guilty of insurrection under the 14th Amendment without any criminal case or any impeachment case or any piece of congressional legislation. The court says that, quote, the events of January 6th constituted an insurrection and President Trump engaged in that insurrection. The court also claims, quote, President Trump's direct and express efforts over several months exhorting his supporters to march to the Capitol to prevent what he falsely characterized as an alleged fraud on the people of this country were indisputably overt and voluntary. Moreover, the evidence amply showed that President Trump undertook all these actions to aid and further a common unlawful purpose that he himself conceived and set in motion, preventing Congress from certifying the 2020 presidential election and stop the peaceful transfer of power. This reading is, to put it mildly, incredibly strained. Section three of the 14th Amendment was designed to prohibit those who had served in the Confederacy from holding public office in the United States. The Confederacy, as we know, was an armed rebellion against the United States, which ended in the deaths of over 600,000 Americans on both sides. It was unclear when the 14th Amendment was passed whether it was designed to apply to any future rebellion or insurrection or how that would be defined, or whether it was even supposed to apply to presidential candidates or those seeking to qualify as such. The Amendment says nothing about presidential candidates, you'll notice, or exactly how it would be effectuated by states, by Congress, by some other party. Kurt Lash, author of the 14th Amendment and professor of law at Richmond School of Law, writes, quote, the omission of express language on these issues is significant because prior publicly announced drafts did expressly apply to present and future rebellions, did expressly name the office of the president of the United States, and did expressly bar certain persons from either holding or qualifying for office. Well, what does all that mean? It means at the very least, the amendment didn't mean to clearly bar presidential candidates in future elections who took part in future, quote unquote, insurrections. Most importantly, the amendment is totally unclear on exactly how it's supposed to be effectuated. Representative Thaddeus Stevens, one of the most radical Republicans, one of the great founders of the actual 14th Amendment, said the text would, quote, not execute itself, that Congress would have to pass laws making clear who exactly was barred from office. And historically, that's what Congress did. They generally enforced the mechanism for this provision. 
1872, for example, Congress passed what was called the Amnesty Act, which did away with penalties on former Confederates due to the 14th Amendment. And Congress did pass a law in 1994 that made it a crime to, quote, assist or engage in any rebellion or insurrection against the authority of the United States. So presumably a conviction for such a crime would automatically disqualify a candidate from office under Section 3. Now, even if the amendment were self-effectuating, which it likely is not, given that this would then create a huge incentive for states to randomly disqualify candidates they don't like under its auspices, it would still require the state to prove that Trump actually engaged in an insurrection. They can't just randomly declare he engaged in an insurrection. As the chief justice of the Colorado Supreme Court, Brian Boatwright, said in dissent, and remember, all seven judges here, all seven justices of the Colorado Supreme Court were appointed by Democrats, and this was decided 4-3. The chief justice of the court said, quote, age, time, previously served as president, place of birth, all parallel core qualification issues under Colorado's election code. Conversely, all these questions pale in comparison to the complexity of an action to disqualify a candidate for engaging in insurrection. In other words, if you barred Trump from the ballot because he was 28 years old, that is a bright line question. Is he 35 or not? If you barred Trump from the ballot on the basis he's not a citizen, that's a bright line question. Either he is or he isn't. But engaging in insurrection without a definition of insurrection, without a criminal trial, without any sort of evidentiary proceeding to which Trump could actually be a party, barring Trump from the ballot without an actual trial for guilt or innocence, or even an enactment from Congress, seems to violate basic due process principles. As another justice, Carlos Samor, again, appointed by a Democrat, points out in dissent. Samor writes, quote, based on its interpretation of Section 3, our court sanctions these makeshift proceedings employed by the district court below, which lacked basic discovery, the ability to subpoena documents and compel witnesses, workable timeframes to adequately investigate and develop defenses, and the opportunity for a fair trial to adjudicate a federal constitutional claim, a complicated one at that, masquerading as a run-of-the-mill state election code claim. The case is obviously wrongly decided. Now, the good news is that the effect is stayed until January 4th. That's the day before ballot eligibility has to be set. If Trump appeals, which he is going to do, obviously, the stay remains in effect indefinitely until the Supreme Court decides the matter or turns away the writ of certiorari. But that's not the point. The point is that the use of lawfare against Donald J. Trump is absolutely unprecedented. We'll get to that point in just one second. First, I want to talk to you about Daily Wire's most trusted privacy partner and a premier sponsor of this show, ExpressVPN. Using the internet without ExpressVPN, that's like checking your baggage at the airport without a lock. You think your stuff is safe, but you're not sure who's going through your belongings. When you go online without a VPN, ISPs can see every single website you visit. They can legally sell that information without your consent to ad companies and tech giants who then use that data to target you. But when you use ExpressVPN, Internet service providers can no longer see that online activity. It is anonymized. Your data is encrypted for maximum protection. I love ExpressVPN because of how easy it is to use. You just fire up that app and you click one button. It works on all your devices, phones, laptops, even routers, so everyone who shares your Wi-Fi can be protected. Secure your online activity by visiting expressvpn.com slash Ben today. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N.com slash Ben. You get an extra three months for free. Expressvpn.com slash Ben. Once more, expressvpn.com slash Ben. It's how I protect my data. You should do the exact same thing. We'll get to more on this in just one second. First, when we say something is free, it should mean, you know, free. No strings attached, no hidden costs, no fine print to decipher. When you switch to PureTalk today, you'll get a free Samsung 5G smartphone. There's no four-line requirement, no activation fee, just a free Samsung that's built to last with a rugged screen, quick charging battery, and top-tier data security. Qualifying plans start at just 35 bucks monthly for unlimited talk, text, 15 gigs of data, and a mobile hotspot. PureTalk gives you phenomenal coverage on America's most dependable 5G network. It's the same coverage you know and love, but for half the price of the other guys. 
Pure Talk saves the average family almost $1,000 a year. Plus, with Pure Talk, you know you're spending your hard-earned money with a company that aligns with your values. Let Pure Talk's expert U.S. customer service team help you make the switch today. Head on over to puretalk.com slash Shapiro. Claim eligibility for your free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone. Start saving on wireless today. Again, go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro and switch to my cell phone company. I've been using Pure Talk myself for years at this point. They are excellent. They've got great coverage and they don't hate your guts. Go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro and switch on over. We'll get to more on this in just one second. First, you may have noticed we're experiencing a ton of global instability as primary season continues. How are you protecting your family in the midst of all of this chaos and nonsense? The fact is there is one asset that has withstood famine, war, political and economic upheaval dating all the way back to biblical times. That, of course, would be gold. It's not too late to diversify an old IRA or 401k into gold. Birch Gold Group can help you with that. Birch Gold can help you create a well-thought-out, balanced investment strategy. They'll help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into an IRA in gold without paying a penny out of pocket. Diversify into gold today. Just text Ben to 989898 for a free info kit. With an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, countless five-star reviews, thousands of happy customers, I encourage you to check out Birch Gold today. Text Ben to 989898. Claim your free info kit. Protect your savings with gold. Smart investors diversify. And when you look at the pace of inflation over the past several years, you can see financial instability is the new way of the world. Text Ben to 989898 to get started with Birch Gold today. Text Ben to 989898 and talk to my friends over at Birch Gold. Okay, so what just happened with President Trump and this Colorado Supreme Court decision is massively dangerous. It radically undermines electoral integrity. It creates an ad hoc way for political opponents within each state to bar candidates they don't like through reinterpretation of the Constitution. And of course, this Colorado state Supreme Court ruling is just the latest iteration of wild and radical lawfare against President Trump. Now, it's certainly true that Trump opened himself up to this legal hellstorm with his activities leading up to and on January 6th, his handling of classified material after his presidency. Of all human beings on planet Earth, Trump had to know there was an enormous target on his back. And as always, he kind of ignored that and just did whatever he wanted. But that does not mean he is not being targeted by a variety of perverse methods. The lawfare that is now being directed at Trump is extraordinary. It is unprecedented, truly unprecedented. These are legal methodologies that threaten the future peace of the republic. I really mean that in very serious ways. There are currently four outstanding criminal cases against Trump, three of which are rooted in basic misinterpretation of statute, and the fourth of which concerns mishandling of classified documents, a matter for which Trump's former rival, Hillary Clinton, was let completely off the hook. Furthermore, the prosecutor in Trump's January 6th criminal prosecution happening in Washington, D.C., that would be special counsel Jack Smith. He is openly attempting to cram through that criminal trial before the election, specifically in order to damage Trump's chances in the election. That is legitimately the only reason why you accelerate the timeline in violation of the desires of the defense. Remember, it's the defense that is guaranteed a speedy trial. It is the defendant who has the right to a speedy trial. If that defendant seeks to delay the process, the only reason to, quote unquote, rush the process before the election, as Jack Smith has openly asked the Supreme Court to do, is in order to effectuate some change before the election. As former prosecutor Andy McCarthy writes, quote, the prosecutor's proposed schedule is driven by the political calendar, not law enforcement concerns. The Biden Justice Department took nearly three years to charge Trump, even though the facts by then were well established. The indictment was strategically timed so a trial could take place during the presidential campaign. Not only did Smith push to force Trump to trial in just a few months after Smith's own investigators had taken years, the prosecutor indicted in Washington, D.C., only after locking Trump into another complex criminal trial in another district a thousand miles away in South Florida. So what does all of this mean? The Supreme Court is likely to strike down this decision, but what does all this mean? It means that 2024 is going to be the most insane 
an ugly presidential election in American history. I truly mean that. So buckle your seatbelts. It's going to be an extraordinarily bumpy ride. That is saying a lot since the years both 1968 and 2020 are years that existed in time. Already, partisan use of the judicial process to stop Trump has created a narrative for Trump that even if he loses, he will have been cheated. And he's not going to be entirely wrong. In fact, he'll be more right in 2024 than he was in 2020. In fact, if he is barred from ballot, if his trial is expedited to affect the election, he will be right that he that the election has essentially been, quote unquote, stolen from him, even if he loses. Meanwhile, because the supposedly apolitical judicial branch has now signed into this fight on behalf of Joe Biden, Democrats are likely to think that Trump is just not morally, but also legally barred from office. And if the Supreme Court strikes down this Colorado Supreme Court ruling, that is going to completely undermine the legitimacy of the course, unless somehow Justice Roberts is able to convince a bunch of Democratic appointees to join a judgment in which they overthrow the Colorado Supreme Court. If this thing is decided 6-3, in which all three of the Democratic appointees to the Supreme Court vote in favor of barring Trump from a state ballot, then every Democrat in the world is going to think that Trump is legally barred from running, which means that even if he wins, there's no way they're possibly going to accept his election. So both sides are now set to not accept the results of the election. Under all circumstances, if you're a Republican and you just watched Democrats, the Biden administration, the Colorado Supreme Court weaponize the law against Donald Trump personally to bar him from ballots, to criminally prosecute him before the election, and then he loses, you are going to claim correctly that Trump was cheated. And you're not going to accept Joe Biden's reelection if you are a Democrat. And you believe that the Colorado Supreme Court is doing the legal thing and that a bunch of Trump appointees on the Supreme Court overthrew that and Trump is legally barred from running because he's an insurrectionist and then he wins, there will be massive riots. The weaponization of the legal system creates an all-consuming fire. It burns everything in its path because it is supposed to be the only part of the government that we all trust. If you can't trust the apolitical part of the government, the judicial branch, that is not supposed to have will, only judgment, if you can't trust that, if any outcome from the judicial branch is simply a reinforcement of the prevailing view of one side versus the other, that is going to end in violence. There is simply no 2024 result likely to result in anything but complete and maybe violent chaos at this point. That is truly frightening. And it's being exacerbated, as always, by our media. We'll get to that in one second. First, I've been talking about my Helix mattress for years. Now, I know it's going to be hard to sleep after that, but here's the reality. You still need your sleep. And the best way to get that sleep is with Helix Sleep. I've had my Helix Sleep mattress, I don't know, for 10 years at this point. It was personalized just for me, firm but breathable the way that I needed. Helix is now introducing their newest, most high-end collection, Helix Elite. Helix Elite harnesses years of extensive mattress expertise to offer a truly elevated sleep experience. The Helix Elite collection includes six different mattress models, each tailored for specific sleep positions and firmness preferences. Head on over to helixsleep.com slash Ben. Check out the new collection today. If you're nervous about buying a mattress online, well, you don't have to be. Helix has a sleep quiz. It matches your body type and sleep preferences to the perfect mattress because why would you buy a mattress made for someone else? I took that Helix quiz. I was matched with a firm but breathable mattress, as I say. Head on over to helixsleep.com slash Ben. Take that quiz yourself and get a mattress right for you. They've got a 10-year warranty. You can try it out for 100 nights Risk-free, they'll pick it up from you if you don't love it, but you will. Helix is offering 20% off all mattress orders, plus two free pillows from our listeners. Go to helixsleep.com slash Ben. It's their best offer yet. It's not going to last long. With Helix, better sleep starts right now. Okay, so Donald Trump reacted to the news of this by pointing out that Joe Biden, and in fact, the use of lawfare in general, is a threat to the democracy. Here was President Trump last night. It's no wonder crooked Joe Biden and the far-left lunatics are desperate to stop us by any means necessary. They are 
willing to violate the U.S. constitutions at levels never seen before in order to win this election. Joe Biden is a threat to democracy. It's a threat. They're weaponizing law enforcement for high-level election interference because we're beating them so badly in the polls. Okay, he's not wrong about this. And herein lies the issue. If Trump is correctly pointing out that Joe Biden and his minions are threats to democracy, and meanwhile, Democrats are suggesting that Trump himself, thanks to January 6th and all of his quote-unquote authoritarian attitudes, is a threat to democracy, that means that both sides are now justified in doing whatever the hell they can and want to do in order to stop the other side from taking office. That's what that means. If you believe that your political opponents in the United States are a true threat to democracy in the United States, in the sense that you believe there will be no more legitimate elections if this is the last election, if your guy gets defeated, that's very likely to end in violence, actually. And that's being exacerbated by all the eggheads on the left side of the aisle. What's kind of amazing about the differential between the right and the left in terms of this sort of rhetoric is that on the right, the sorts of people who are talking about this will be the last election. There will be no more elections if Joe Biden wins the election. Those sorts of people tend not to be the pointy heads. On the left side of the aisle, it is the pointy heads. On the left side of the aisle, it's legal theorists like Lawrence Tribe at Harvard Law School. It's the Colorado Supreme Court. It's all the sophisticates who are making the claim that Donald Trump is some sort of threat to the very heart of republicanism, small r, in the United States. All the normies are like, nah, he's just a loudmouth. They may not like him, but he's kind of a loudmouth, and that's kind of it. Like, do I really think that he's going to destroy the country wholesale? He was president for four years, and things were kind of pretty good. It's all the eggheads on the left side of the aisle who are creating legal theories to weaponize the actual tools of government against Donald Trump. On the right side of the aisle, it tends to be the normies who think that Joe Biden is a threat to the republic and the end of the republic. And it's all the eggheads who are like, I don't know, you know, I mean, he's really a bad president, but are we really not going to have another election? I mean, Trump is running like right now. That is why the media on the left are really fanning the flames right here. Because again, it is the high IQ people on the left who are fanning the flames the most here. So Rachel Maddow over on MSNBC, she says not a crazy thing for democracy to simply ban people like Trump from the ballot? In the broad strokes, in terms of our democracy, there are very few magic wands. <laughs> there, are, there are very few sort of, um, you know, magic spells that you cast that um, make, a, make a complex and difficult problem go away. That just, it just doesn't happen very often in our political system. And I think that we shouldn't be under any illusions um, about the, the character and the partisan inclinations, among other things, of, of this current Supreme Court as it is constituted. That said, yeah. it is not. It is, this is not a crazy thing for a democracy to do. This is mm-hmm. um, this is this is something that was a hallmark of post-war Germany uh, after World War II. This is something that happened to Jair Bolsonaro in Brazil quite recently. This is something that our own Congress did in 1868 after our own civil war, specifically to preclude anybody from holding office in this country who had engaged in insurrection against this country. Okay. So first of all. It is very, uh, like, her citing the Brazilian court that just banned Yair Bolsonaro from office for election fraud claims, that's really bad. It's going to make things in Brazil significantly worse. And the other situations that she is citing right there, like post-Nazi Germany, when was America Nazi Germany? I'm just wondering, like, when? Like, while Trump was president? Like, a couple of years ago? Is that what she is talking about there? What she's talking about is basically treating her political opponents as, like, a debathification effort, as a denazification effort. CNN's Eli Honig was doing some of the same sort of stuff. Again, de- Democrats are celebrating this sort of stuff. You should not be, ce- if, if you are hoping for conciliation in the Republic at all, you should not be celebrating a rogue Supreme Court in Colorado simply banning the leading candidate 
for one of the lead political parties and the person currently leading for polling for president of the United States from the ballot. Doesn't matter that Trump's not going to win Colorado. None of that matters. It's the precedent here that is truly shocking. And it, it is creating, again, the predicate for the argument by Trump and many of his supporters that if he loses, it will not be legitimate under any circumstances. Because if the idea behind every crime is that evidence of crime is motive means opportunity, they certainly have the motive. They think Trump's a fascist. They certainly have the means barring Trump from ballots or criminally prosecuting him. And they certainly have the opportunity, meaning the upcoming election. There can be a lot of people who are pointing that out as we move forward, particularly if Trump loses. But here's Eli Honig again, underscoring the, the idea that this Supreme Court decision by, by Colorado's state Supreme Court is somehow legitimate and, and defensible, which it is not. Well, Wolf, this is a historic decision. It's a momentous decision. As the Supreme Court itself says, they are in uncharted territory here, but it's really important to keep in mind, this is not the last word here. This is almost certainly going up to the U.S. Supreme Court, which can review the decisions of a state Supreme Court. In fact, the Colorado Supreme Court anticipates that possibility. And for that reason, they put their own ruling on hold until January 4th, anticipating that it will go up to the Supreme Court. The practical consequence as it stands at this moment, though, is that Donald Trump will not be on the Colorado ballot in the race for president in 2024. The Supreme Court almost certainly will take this up. It's also important to keep in mind for the broader context. There have been dozens of these challenges filed across the country and 18 or so of them have either failed, been rejected, or been withdrawn by the plaintiff. So this is really an outlier. The Supreme Court is going to have the final say. The consequences here are, of course, enormous. And meanwhile, Jen Psaki, former press secretary for the current president of the United States, she's saying that, of course, pretty much everything is legit because absolutely Trump is Hitler. If Trump wins in 2024... His detractors will have to reconcile what it means to share a country with so many citizens who keep watching Trump spiral deeper into his moral void and still conclude, yes, that's our guy. And this isn't just anecdotal. It's also registering in the polls. According to a new survey of likely Republican caucus scores in Iowa, 42 percent say they are more likely to support Trump for claiming immigrants are poisoning the blood of America. Okay, so again, the idea here from Saki and company is that Trump is a stand-in for American fascism and therefore has to be stopped. Now, the predictable result of this inside a Republican primary is, again, a boost for Trump. Anytime the left attacks Trump illegitimately, it causes everybody on the right, including people like me, to say, well, maybe you just want it. You're going to get it good and hard. Like, you're asking for the fight. You're going to get the fight. That is the natural tendency of human beings. We'll get to that momentarily first. Balance of nature fruits and veggies that are a great way to make sure that you're getting essential nutritional ingredients every single day. Balance of nature uses an advanced cold vacuum process that encapsulates fruits and veggies into whole food supplements without sacrificing their natural antioxidants. The capsules are completely void of additives, fillers, extracts, synthetics, pesticides, or added sugar. The only thing in Balance of Nature's fruit and veggie capsules are, you know, like fruits and veggies. Right now, not only will my listeners get 35% off your first order, you'll now get a free fiber and spice supplement as well. Balance of Nature's fiber and spice supplement is a revolutionary fiber drink with a unique blend of 12 spices and whole foods as well. Producer Zach, he makes it a point to bring his Balance of Nature fruit and veggie capsules Anytime we're on the road, he takes them every day while he watches Star Wars, Clone Wars. There's never been an easier way to make sure that you are getting your daily dose of fruits and veggies experience, Balance of Nature, for yourself today. Go to balanceofnature.com. Use promo code Shapiro for 35% off your first order as a preferred customer. Plus, get a free bottle of fiber and spice. That is balanceofnature.com. Promo code Shapiro for 35% off your first preferred order. Plus, again, a free bottle of fiber and spice. And yes, they are kosher. So go check them out right now. Okay, so all of this is going to lead to Trump's elevation in the primaries. As we approach primary day, Trump is still ahead by leaps and bounds in these polls. In Iowa, 
He is currently up in the average by 33 points. 51 over DeSantis' 19 and Nikki Haley clocking in at 16 points. Meanwhile, in New Hampshire, you have Trump clocking in in the latest polling at 44, Nikki Haley at 29, Christie at 10, and DeSantis at 11. Even if you combined Christie and DeSantis, that would take you to slightly more than Trump's total vote, but they're both in the race. So this means that Trump right now is the odds-on favorite. And the more you attack Trump, the more people defend Trump. That's the way that this works. So when Nikki Haley makes the case against Trump, the correct case, by the way, the chaos follows Trump, which is to say Trump causes chaos and then chaos follows him. She's not wrong, but also when you cause the chaos, but the chaos is so much greater than the thing that you caused, the narrative turns from you victimized yourself to you are a victim of the system. Yes, Trump as I've said clearly and openly many, many times, was wrong. He was lying between the election and January 6th when he said that certified election results could be overturned by the vice president of the United States. It was not true. It was not true. And he was fibbing about it. And he was exacerbating things. He was making things worse. Also, the result of that is not that you get barred by Supreme Courts on the state level from the ballot. That is not, it is not that you get criminally prosecuted multiple times across the nation. And so, Nikki Haley is right, but it doesn't matter because, again, people are resonating to Trump in reaction to the thing that is being done against him. I think President Trump was the right president at the right time. I agree with a lot of his policies. I had a good working relationship with him. But rightly or wrongly, chaos follows him. We all know that chaos follows him. And we can't be a part of that. But we can't be a country in disarray and have a world on fire. And make it through four years of chaos. We can't. Okay. I mean, even if she's right about that, it doesn't matter. Because if the Democrats are seeking the chaos, the answer for many Republicans is going to be, okay, then you're going to reap the whirlwind. That is going to be the the, the response, predictable response from Republicans. And meanwhile, Democrats are going to use that as, okay, well, they're ready to elect Orange Hitler. Fine. We'll do whatever we can to stop him. This is going to get so ugly so quickly. By the way, as I say, most normal people look at Trump. And when he says wild and crazy things, they think to themselves, that's just because he's brash and a loudmouth. It's not because he's wrong. That's particularly true when it comes to his rhetoric around immigration. So you saw Jen Psaki just a moment ago suggesting that because people support Trump more, 42% of Republicans say they support Trump more after his poisoning the blood of our system, illegal immigration, that, 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 that is evidence that they support fascism. The reason that many people are supporting Trump because of his immigration rhetoric is because they believe that he is saying things that even Democrats are saying, but he's being penalized when Democrats are not. So case in point today, according to the Washington Post, authorities are now investigating the death of a five-year-old boy in Chicago who'd been staying at one of the city's largest migrant shelters for new arrivals from the U.S. southern border. The boy was at the shelter on South Halsted Street when the child was reported to not be feeling well, according to the Chicago PD. An ambulance took him to the hospital where he died on Sunday. The Cook County Medical Examiner's Office identified the child as John Carlos Martinez Rivero, and said the office has not yet determined the cause of death. It's not clear what country he is from or how he arrived in Chicago. He and his family were among 13,000 migrants staying in city shelters, according to city records. By the way, folks, if you want to know what it's really like down at the border, we just did a Sunday special with Tim Kennedy, former Green Beret sniper, who's been down at the border participating in humanitarian missions. And uh, it is it is wild. Check out the Sunday special for more on that. Meanwhile, the Biden administration, which has facilitated this massive crisis at the border and refuses even now to sign into law border provisions that would solidify the border, even to get their Ukraine funding, they won't do it. Meanwhile, the White House is blaming, wait for it, Republicans on all of this, like Greg Abbott. So here's Corinne Jean-Pierre, world's worst press secretary, 
for the White House, suggesting that the death of this five-year-old migrant in Chicago was not the fault of the administration for letting in a bunch of unvetted people who may or may not be healthy. It was the fault of Greg Abbott for sending this kid to Chicago. Some of the local officials in Chicago have gone so far as to blame the Texas governor for busing migrants into Chicago and have said that that policy has led to situations like this one with the young boy. Does that, does the White House share that view? So I'm not going to go into specific cases from here. Uh, we've always been very clear, and I, you heard me at the, at the top, the first question that I got, uh, that uh, we believe that Governor Abbott's um, policies and his political stunts are not safe. They're not safe for the Texas communities and uh, our, our CBP, our law enforcement on the ground who are trying to do their work. They put them at, in harm's way. And they, you know, they dehumanize, dehumanize and demonize immigrants. Yeah, it's about dehumanization. Maybe, maybe what's dehumanizing is shipping people across the border by leaving the border completely open and then busing them to the interior of the United States with no plan for how to deal with them. Meanwhile, the mayor of Chicago, Brandon Johnson, who is as left as left can be, he's suggesting that Greg Abbott is attacking the country by sending people on buses to Chicago. So first of all, it says a hell of a lot about Chicago. When you're the mayor of a city, you're like, yeah, man, if you send people here, it's like a hellscape. You're attacking the country by sending people to my city. First of all, that's saying a lot. But second of all, and the, the language the Democrats use about immigration is the same as the language that Republicans use as soon as the immigrants arrive in their areas. Here's Brandon Johnson. The issue is not just how we respond in the city of Chicago. It's the fact that we have a governor a governor, an elected official in the state of Texas that is placing families on buses without shoes, cold, wet, tired, hungry, afraid, traumatized. And then they come to the city of Chicago where we have homelessness. We have mental health clinics that have been shut down and closed. You have people who are seeking employment. The, the governor of Texas needs to take a look in the mirror of the chaos that he is causing for this country. This is not just this. a Chicago dynamic. He is attacking our country. Okay, so it's illegal immigration. What he's saying right here is that illegal immigration is an attack on our country. It's just that Greg Abbott shipping illegal immigrants up to Chicago is the attack on our country. That sounds very much like the stuff that Trump says about immigration. But when Democrats say it, it's them being tolerant and diverse. When Republicans say it, it's them being fascist. So here's Donald Trump yesterday saying immigrants are coming in and they could bring in disease. Okay, well, I mean, that's, I'm sorry, but that's true. That, that's, that happens to, I mean, this has been true since like the early 20th century. There's a reason why one of the first scenes in Godfather 2 is a kid being screened for disease as he enters Ellis Island. In any case, here, here's, here's Donald Trump. If this were not true, Title 42 would not be American law. Title 42 literally allows the federal government to turn people away at the border if they're suspected of having disease. Here is Donald Trump saying the thing and then everybody going crazy and comparing him to Hitler. It's crazy what's going on. They're ruining our country. And it's true. They're destroying the blood of our country. That's what they're doing. They're destroying our country. They don't like it when I said that. And I never read Mein Kampf. They said, oh, Hitler said that in a much different way. No, they're coming from all over the world, people all over the world. We have no idea. They could be healthy. They could be very unhealthy. They could bring in disease that's going to catch on in our country, but they do bring in crime. Okay, again, most people look at this and they say, okay, Brandon Johnson's saying the same thing, but he's blaming Greg Abbott. Donald Trump's saying that and he's blaming Joe Biden. And suddenly Trump is the fascist about all of this. 
which apparently justifies banning him from particular ballots. People in the elite circles of media and in left-wing legal circles are playing with absolute fire. With, I, mean, I mean, almost literal fire with this sort of stuff. Something is going to explode. And it's going to explode because when you abuse the systems of power, this is where you truly end up. Okay, in just one second, we'll get to the latest from the Middle East, where all your products are about to get a lot more expensive because the West is apparently incapable of defeating a bunch of ragtag pirates so long as they're connected with the Iranians or something. First, the holidays are here. If you're looking for the perfect gift for somebody you love or even something nice for yourself, you need to check out Bond Charge. Bond Charge is a holistic wellness brand with a huge range of evidence-based products to optimize your life in every way. Their extensive range of premium wellness products helps you sleep better, perform better, recover fast, reduce inflammation, and so much more. From blue light glasses to red light therapy, Bond Charge products, they help you naturally address the issues of our modern day way of life effortlessly and with maximum impact. My favorite product from Bond Charge is their infrared sauna blanket. That infrared sauna blanket has all kinds of benefits. It's designed to fit inside your sauna blanket, the insert, to absorb your sweat, keep you drier. It also uses infrared light. That means it heats the body directly rather than heating the air around you like a traditional sauna. So you get the same benefits at a lower heat. Now, I rave about this product, but it's not just me. And we have people over to our house who rave about this product as well. It's an, it's an amazing product. This holiday season, Bond Charge is offering a massive 25% off site-wide. Head on over to bondcharge.com. The 25% off code will be auto-applied to your entire order. That is bondcharge.com. Hurry while it is in stock. Okay, meanwhile, the Middle East continues to be a tinderbox, particularly with regard to shipping. In order to understand what's happening in the waters surrounding the, the Middle East and the Saudi Peninsula, in order to understand that, you have to look at this map. So what this map shows you is how much longer it takes to ship things from, say, Singapore to Rotterdam if you cannot use the Suez Canal, as opposed to if you can use the Suez Canal. So the red line here is the direct line of shipping from Singapore, which is a hub for manufacture, and also from the Far East just generally, through the Suez Canal. It's much, much shorter, a lot shorter. And then the alternative route is the Cape of Good Hope route, which is going to take you a lot longer. The Red Sea route, round-trip voyage, takes 34 days. The Cape of Good, Ho of, of Good Hope route takes you 43 days at a distance of 3,400 more nautical miles. Things, in other words, get much more expensive when shipping lanes get shut down. And right now, the Houthis are attempting to shut down those shipping lanes. According to Adam Taylor at the Washington Post, there's a crisis hitting shipping not so far from where the Ever Given, you remember there was a cargo ship that actually got stuck in the Suez Canal and it blocked $10 billion of cargo every day. This is back in 2021. Now you got another problem. On Monday, oil giant BP announced it had paused all shipments through the Red Sea after attacks by the Houthi militant group targeting vessels along the route, which leads to and from the Suez Canal. While it has not yet done so, the disruption being caused by the Houthi attacks has the worrying potential to cause the type of damage the Suez Canal blockage threatened. In an editorial published Sunday, the Wall Street Journal suggested it was worth calling it the most significant threat to global shipping in decades. And by the way, it's worse than that. If Again, if the Houthis can shut down a significant percentage of global trade by, again, being a ragtag group of pirates with very low-level weaponry, what do you think China is looking at? China's like, okay, well, here's one thing we could do. We could blockade Taiwan. And if people don't like that, we can blockade a lot of the South China Sea, and we can shut down global shipping until people just comply with our requests. In other words, if you allow a bunch of pathetic, horrific, small-time terrorists and thugs to stop shipping through one of the world's chief choke points, what do you think a major army, like the People's Liberation Army, is going to do? They believe that they can use that. that, that is, I mean, that, that is a better example of the West caving 
than even Afghanistan. Afghanistan, you can at least make the case that the West was there for 20 years. Here, you're talking about like guys in inflatables who are going up to ships with drones and taking over the entire ship. And the West apparently doing very little about it. So, of course, China is going to look at that and say, okay, well, I guess that we can exert some pretty significant leverage in the waters around our own coast. According to the Wall Street Journal, hours after the United States announced a multinational task force to protect commercial traffic through the Red Sea, shipping giant AP Muller Maersk said it would send its vessels around the Cape of Good Hope in southern Africa instead. The message was clear. Shipping firms, oil companies, insurers remain jittery about a possible snarl to one of the world's most crucial trade routes. Again, totally unclear as to whether the Western attempts here will stop what the Houthis are doing. Houthis have been bulging, they appear to have bulging stockpiles of missiles and drones. Analysts said drones are less dangerous than missiles if they slip through the defenses could prove especially difficult for some ships in the coalition to shoot down. Unlike the Iran-Iraq war in the 1980s, when naval vessels escorted oil tankers through the region, the current volume of shipping traffic through the straits is way too high to make relying on protective convoys feasible, according to Gene Moran, retired U.S. Navy captain who commanded both a destroyer and a cruiser. He predicted the United States would have to strike Houthi targets on land, which is correct, obviously. And by the way, why exactly should the United States and its Western allies be shy about striking the Houthis? I mean, we're not talking here about taking down the entire Iranian government or something with a massive military. You're talking about taking down like coastal pirates. You're not even talking about taking out the Houthis entirely. You're talking about destroying their ability to harass shipping. One of the reasons for this, by the way, is because the, the West is, has overtecked itself in many ways. What I mean by that is that for every dumb bomb that the Houthis are firing at a, at a shipping at a, a shipping convoy, the United States and its allies are sending like a $2 million missile. U.S. Navy destroyers, according to Politico, have shot down 38 drones and multiple missiles in the Red Sea over the past two months, according to a Defense Department official. On Saturday alone, the, US, the destroyer USS Kearney intercepted 14 one-way attract attack drones, which are suicide drones. The cost of using expensive naval missiles, which can run up to $2.1 million a shot, to destroy unsophisticated Houthi drones, estimated at a few thousand bucks each, is a growing concern, according to the DOD. The cost offset is not on our side, said one DOD official. So they're talking about maybe they need to use different air defense, or maybe instead of trying to act defensively against, again, Houthi pirates, you might want to actually just destroy the Houthi pirates. This is not all... It is a lack of will that leads to this, not a lack of resources. The United States is the most powerful military and most powerful Navy in world history. And we're like, oh my God, people on inflatables with drones. Seriously? That's cowardice, not lack of ability. Okay, in just one second, we're going to get to a bizarre story about an attempt to remove a, a monument to reconciliation in the United States post-Civil War. First, Let's talk about your back taxes or unfiled returns. The IRS is currently escalating collections by adding 20,000 new agents. In these challenging times, your best defense is to use Tax Network USA. With over 14 years of experience, Tax Network USA has saved their clients over a billion dollars in back taxes. They specialize in negotiating with the IRS and they aim to reduce your debt significantly. Tax Network USA doesn't just negotiate. They protect your assets from IRS seizures and manage your yearly returns for ongoing compliance. Importantly, they're licensed to help with all state tax issues, regardless of where you live in the United States. Seize control of your financial future now. Don't let tax issues overpower you. Contact Tax Network USA for immediate relief and expert guidance. Call 855-225-1040 or visit TNUSA.com Shapiro. Turn to Tax Network USA. Find your path to financial peace of mind. That is TNUSA.com 
slash Shapiro Tax Network USA. The people you should contact don't get behind on your taxes. If you do, it's going to ruin your life. Instead, call 855-225-1040 and get those tax issues ironed out or visit TNUSA.com slash Shapiro. Also, the Christmas season is upon us. And I got to tell you, there is a show over on Netflix. It's called Coco Melon Lane. It is for kids who are like two years old. And the new Coco Melon Lane has a boy in a dress dancing for his two gay dads. I'm not kidding. Here's a clip. Thing that we know about you. You love to get up and dance. How about you break out those moves for your two biggest fans? not sure what to choose think about all the things you like hmm. to do just be you just be me yep when you're trying to decide think about all the things you like to do just be you just be me this is the kind of crap that many people are allowing their kids to watch it's confusing to them that is indoctrinating them in a particular leftist point of view about human relationships and gender and sex and all the rest to very small children. You don't need this. What you do need, the best Christmas gift available. I'm talking about Bent Key. Bent Key is the best gift you can give to your kids this Christmas. Why? Because it's an ongoing gift. It's awesome. So the entertainment at Bent Key is just fantastic. It's our new kids app. It is phenomenal. We're talking about shows like A Wonderful Day with Mabel McClay. We're talking about Chip Chilla, which is a fantastic animated show that my three-year-old loves. These are shows that have all been vetted by us or created by us. It's all content that is safe. You're not going to get some kid in a dress dancing for his two gay dads at Benke. You're going to be getting good, solid kids entertainment. That is awesome. You're not going to have to force your kids to watch it. It's stuff they want to watch. Every day, my kids come home from school, and after they're done with their homework, what they want to watch is Bent Key, and your kids are going to love that, too. It's a fantastic, fantastic Christmas gift for your kids. You need to go to bentkey.com right now to subscribe. When you do, you're going to be able to start streaming for just 99 bucks a year, and you're going to get all sorts of amazing content. We bring out new episodes every single Saturday. It's Saturday morning cartoons. It's all sorts of phenomenal stuff. Go to bentkey.com right now and subscribe to Bent Key or download that Bent Key app and subscribe right there. And now you're giving your kids entertainment that is not going to teach them garbage. You're going to be protecting your kids and giving them something they want and something that's fun at the same time. Phenomenal Christmas gifts. So if you don't know what to get for your kids this Christmas, now's the time. Go to bentkey.com or download that Bent Key app right now and subscribe. Meanwhile, divisive politics remain a staple of America's politics these days. So yesterday, Kathy Hochul, the governor of New York, she says that the state should actually consider slavery reparations in New York, which was, as you may recall, not a slave state. Uh, she says that slavery reparations should actually be considered right now because New York obviously has tons of money to spend on this sort of issue amidst their serious crime problem, economic turmoil, people leaving the state because of the high taxes. She, b between her and Gavin Newsom, my goodness, the Democrats have a bench. We're proud to be home of courageous leaders like Harriet Tubman, conductor of the Underground Railroad buried up in Auburn, New York, to Jorner Truth, Frederick Douglass, an abolitionist like John Brown, whose farm is way in the North Country. We're proud to embrace the deliverance from slavery from the Underground Railroad itself, which ran from New York all the way to Canada, crossing over in Niagara Falls, where I was yesterday. And that had the strong support of many good and much goodwill from residents of this state. So we, it's easy for us to pat ourselves on the back, right? 
We did all this. A lot of other states didn't step up. We had the leaders here. We took this on. We can say we're the heroes. We're the ones who fought against slavery. And indeed, many did. What is hard to embrace is the fact that our state also flourished from that slavery. In a few minutes, I'll sign a bill authorizing the creation of a community commission to study the history of slavery in New York State. We'll study various forms of reparations and how we can help right the wrongs of the past. It's obviously pandering. It's obviously pandering. that They can study any commission they want. But the reality is that slavery reparations is completely unworkable as a matter of law. How exactly do you discriminate on the basis of race? How do you trace back the ancestry? I mean, all these practical questions have been serious. Who pays? Did people who arrived in like 1980 pay descendants of American slaves? How about black Americans who arrived in like 1980? How about Haitian Americans? Do they pay? Exactly. Who pays? Exactly. Who are the beneficiaries? All of this is not meant to actually create any sort of solutions. It is meant to exacerbate the problems and exacerbate the divisions. The same thing holds true, by the way, for this attempt to remove a Confederate memorial at Arlington Cemetery. So a judge has now allowed the removal to go ahead. According to the New York Times, a federal judge on Tuesday cleared the way for the removal of a Confederate memorial from Arlington National Cemetery just one day after a temporary restraining order had halted the plan to move one of the most prominent monuments to the Confederacy from the nation's most famous burial ground. The memorial has been criticized for its sanitized depiction of slavery, and its removal is part of a military-wide effort to take down Confederate symbols from bases, ships, and other facilities. Now, why exactly is this happening? It's not happening because you wish to actually solve the problems of the Civil War. That's not why. Because, again, the reason that these memorials were erected was to affect some sort of reconciliation in the United States post-Civil War, a delicate balancing act that was, in part, the result of things like the 14th Amendment, which we've been discussing earlier in the show. It turns out that when you want to keep a country a country, you're going to have to require some sort of reconciliation. And monuments like this were an attempt to do that. It wasn't meant to, quote-unquote, obscure slavery. That's not the idea here. The idea here is that when you have one half of the country fighting the other half of the country, the only way you're going to end up as one country after all of that is to create some sort of mercy for the losing side. That's what this monument was about. That's why it was uncontroversial for a very long time. So the question is, why is it controversial in 2023 when it was uncontroversial in, say, 1870? When, you know, like people were watching monuments like this be erected and their family members have been killed by members of the Confederacy. Now, you, your brother just got shot by a member of the Confederacy five years ago, and now they're erecting a monument in Arlington National. Why were you okay? Because people understood that the only way to actually make the country one again was to effectuate this sort of reconciliation. And now you have people who are not involved in, who have not been slaves. Their parents were not slaves. Their grandparents were not slaves. You have people who n- n- have no relatives whatsoever who are involved in the Civil War. And you have all of these people who are, who are now coming forth and saying that this memorial offends them now, which is about creating conflict in the now, obviously. That is the goal. It's not about teaching. In fact, these monuments, as I've said many, many times, they provide an opportunity for teaching. Yeah, they, they provide you an opportunity to actually have the discussion about what was the Confederacy? Why was the Confederacy so wrong? Why was slavery so evil? And then why... Was this monument built in the first place? Like these are good, complex, nuanced, interesting conversations. You know, it's not an interesting conversation. Wiping away history in order so that you can claim 
that the problems of 1860 are the same as the problems of 2023, which is really the claim of the people who want to rip down monuments like this. That is really the goal here. Allison Parker, historian at the University of Delaware, said these types of monuments, which were put up in the early 20th century. So again, there are people who are still living who had relatives killed in the Civil War were about a certain kind of reification of a nostalgia based on the notion slavery wasn't really that bad. There's a misconception about the notion. These monuments need to be preserved as a representation. In some cases, I think it's okay to take down these kind of monuments because they still carry hurtful meanings today. Such absolute tripe. This does not make things better in any way, shape, or form. There's no evidence that it does at all. Okay, meanwhile, yesterday, we discussed at length the Catholic Church's letter that focused in on blessings for same-sex couples and what exactly that meant. And I said that, you know, for all the talk about how it changed nothing, obviously there were people inside the church who were going to take it as changing everything. Evidence that I am right comes today, courtesy of dnyuz.com, a piece titled Making History on a Tuesday Morning with the Church's Blessing. And it features a picture of Reverend James Martin, a Jesuit priest, standing and giving a blessing to a same-sex couple, two men who are holding hands. So as I said yesterday, when it comes to what the church has historically said, what they've said is that you can, of course, be blessed as an individual sinner. Everybody gets blessed as an individual sinner. There's no problem with that. And that's true, by the way, for every mainstream religion. Everyone is a sinner. That does not prohibit you from being blessed. What you cannot be blessed for is participating in the sin. When you have two gay men holding hands and receiving the blessing, obviously, the visual on that is designed specifically to greenlight the behavior, clearly and obviously. There'd be no difference between this and a man divorced and his wife, and they're remarried, standing and holding hands in front of a priest who is blessing them. It would look like a blessing of the divorced couple itself. That would be the idea as a couple. And this was the distinction I was making yesterday. And Reverend James Martin is going full ahead with that. So it'll be fascinating to see whether the Catholic Church does anything about this, because if they actually stand by the idea that there should be no legitimization of same-sex marriage or same-sex activity, going to be very hard to look at that picture and say that's not a legitimization of same-sex marriage or same-sex activity. If the Vatican does nothing, that will be a very solid answer as to what exactly the Vatican was doing in that letter. According to the piece, never before was Martin permitted to bless a same-sex couple, not until Monday when the Pope said he would allow such blessings, an announcement that reverberated through the church. On Tuesday morning, Damien Steedlejack, 44, and his husband, Jason Steedlejack, 38, stood before Father Martin in a living room on Manhattan's west side. The couple, running a bit late because of the subway delays, dressed casually. Damien, a floral designer, complimented Father Martin on the pine smell of the Christmas tree in keeping with the Vatican's admonition that such a blessing should not be performed with any clothing gestures or words proper to a wedding. Father Martin wore no robes and read from no text. There's no blessing for same-sex couples in the thick book of blessings published by the U.S. Conference of Bishops. Well, right. I mean, duh. Instead, he selected a favorite of his own from the Old Testament. He used the priestly blessing from the Old Testament. And uh, let me just tell you, as a devotee of the Old Testament in the original Hebrew, I can promise you that this is a blessing that is not typically bestowed on same-sex couples as they hold hands. Father Martin has frequently met with Pope Francis about making the Roman Catholic Church more inclusive. On Tuesday morning, he was far from the halls of power. He was at home making history. He said it was really nice to be able to do that publicly. Again, this is going to be whether the church allows this, this picture is the story. This picture is the story. And so, again, if, if you're pretending along with the idea that the Vatican has changed nothing, it's going to be very hard to maintain that in the face of this particular picture. I mean, well, I do want to provide some good news. I have to say that the sort of stunning development of the last three, four months has been the magic of John Fetterman. 
what the living hell? You know, it's very rare we get to do kind of bright spot news on this show. John Fetterman, wow. And so John Fetterman campaigned as like an overt socialist, like a Bernie Sanders acolyte. He was the furthest left member of the Democratic Senate battleground state candidate group, like by far. And then he had an aneurysm and he wasn't fully functional, clearly. And it was a question as to whether he could even serve in the Senate. And now John Fetterman, he's like turning into Kristen Cinema. He's turning into like the moderate voice of Democrats here. So yesterday, for example, John Fetterman was criticizing the open immigration policy at the southern border. What the hell? Here was John Fetterman yesterday. And I've always been very clear that I'm going to stand on the right side of what I believe it is. And I've been very upfront on it as well, too. And, and I really have been able to find anybody that can say there's not any kind of an issue right now on the border that has around 270,000 people being encountered on the border just in one month. And to put that in perspective, as I've said before, that's the side of Pittsburgh. And if roughly the, the size of Pittsburgh is showing up in the border, um, if that's what you, you need to say, that's fine. That, that's not really an issue uh, as a progressive. Then I guess that that's why I wouldn't be a progressive. But I have remained and you know, will always be very, very uh, pro-immigration, perhaps as much as anybody in there. OK, but he's saying there's a problem at the border because, again, John Fetterman. Voice of reason. No one saw this coming. Meanwhile, John Fetterman was also ripping on young people inside the Democratic Party who are getting their history from TikTok. By the way, I saw a statistic recently that showed that two thirds of Democrats believe there was a historic state of Palestine run by Arabs. No, the answer is no, that is not a thing. In any case, here was John Fetterman saying, yeah, they don't know any history. By the way, in an office with two Israeli flags behind him. John Fetterman, man, I don't know what happened, but uh, I'm, I'm all for it. You've been very clearly arguing that Hamas bears responsibility for the tragedy of what's going on in Gaza. Why do you think so many younger people, especially in your party, see it differently? I, I really, I really don't, I really don't know. Uh, I, I do know that a lot of people are getting their perspective from TikTok, and I think if you're kind of getting your perspective on the world on TikTok, it's going to tend to be kind of warped or not reflective of the, the history and, and actually the way things absolutely are. And what is very clear is, is that Hamas started this and they actually broke the, the ceasefire and they attacked uh, and murdered uh, babies, children, women, uh, attacked a, a music uh, a concert and everything. It's, it's, it's outrageous. Good for John Fetterman. Again, it's nice when we have some good news here on the Ben Shapiro Show. Alrighty, guys, coming up, we're going to be speaking with the Colorado State GOP chairman talking about this insane decision from the Colorado State Supreme Court. If you're not a member, become a member. Use code Shapiro. Check out for two months free on all annual plans. Click that link in the description and join us. Ah! 